Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, CEO of CareCentrics. David, how are you feeling today? <laughs> well, you say, how's 22 doing for you? Well, I took a vacation, but I ran into Omicron at my destination, John. So I guess it's the one to get, you know, if you're if you're getting it. So I have it. I have like a head cold. I'm like, what the heck, you know? Well, I hope I hope you get get better soon. It's um you know, this is a nasty virus. I, I, the only thing I'd suggest is don't underestimate it. In addition to being massively uh, infectious, uh, it's just not one to be uh, not one to be underestimated. David, where are we in the Omicron uh, tsunami right now? It is, um, you know, we, we could we got some fast, some fast breaking new waves of the virus. But what's your what's your what's your take on it? Well, John, my take is that. Um you know, you, you see these numbers about, you know, hundreds of thousands or million people a day uh, getting it. And, you know, it's an underestimate. You know, I, I did a, a test, a home test, and I, my test, I don't think is picked up anywhere. So I think it's, uh, you know, the, the numbers are really much bigger. And what that means is everybody's getting it and the wave should pass fast like it did in South Africa. And it's sounding like people are saying as soon as next week, you know, usually we want our podcast to have like a a couple week shelf life, but it may be Omicron, maybe uh, you know, in the rearview mirror in a week or two. Well, you're, you're, I, I, I think it'll still be relevant, David. So I think the the th- couple of thoughts on that that one. One, there's no question that even though we are we are test short as a country, a lot of people are doing at home tests, um, and it's not showing up in the statistics. So the actual infectivity and positivity rate is considerably higher than people thought. And the hospitalization rate related to COVID, particularly in ICU beds, uh, purely as a function of the infections, is actually relatively low relative to alpha and delta. But the absolute mass of sick people or people who are sick with Omicron who need attention in the hospitals is crowding out a lot of things that are going on in hospitals. And I think that's going to first burn through, and and you're seeing it in the numbers in the mid-Atlantic region where hospitals are overwhelmed. Um, it's happening right now in sort of the New York, Boston area. I think Philadelphia is quickly the following thereafter. But I think that the waves will will roll through the country. And hopefully, as a country, will those waves will have gone burn through in January and February. And we will have, through some combination of, of having gotten it or having gotten our vaccination and booster rates up, really have pretty good resilience against this virus. But it still feels to me, David, like the the, the testing curfa- the failure on the part of uh, our, our, the federal government is really one of the biggest challenges for people managing this. So we have to find a way to kind of live with this disease, whether we just choose to live with it or not, it's going to live with us as you're unfortunately dealing with. Yeah. So I know you say kerfuffle, John. I know you didn't want to use the F-U word because this is a family show after all, or it used to be. Maybe 22, 22 it isn't. You know, there is a challenge here. Um, the first thing with the hospitalizations, there weren't enough ventilators. You know, now there's not enough doctors and nurses. And it's not just because they have COVID. A lot of them do. As people are burned out, it's sort of, you know, part of the problem is people have talked about, you know, their individual right to do this, that, or the other. Well, what about the healthcare providers that we have to deal with? There's also a big impact you can see um, on the, the school age kids. You know, if they've been out of school, the school can't be staffed. You see it with uh, mental health. You see it with educational delays. And I think we may be ready for the next part of the debate on trade-offs. You know, what do we what do we value um, as a country, and what are the behaviors that we expect? Well, 
we're we're seeing it right now in you know to the just this morning uh the union in Chicago voted against against going to school even though the city and the parents expected the schools to be open and New York on the other side is saying the schools will be open because one of the things we've learned over the last year is if you close schools the uh, the 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 global damage you do to development and depression and mental health and not socializing is actually quite substantially and consistently uh, more dangerous for children than uh, getting the virus. And it's and yet some some school districts are going back where they started. Now there, there's genuinely a staffing challenge. You've got a lot of people who are testing positive and appropriately isolating. But um, we're going to have to find a way to work with this virus, and I I I, I think that um, the 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 failure to plan and execute on the part of the White House with regard to providing low cost testing, uh, the failure to understand the reality of the need to approve tests, um, which uh, the FDA has consistently screwed up. We could, you know, David, there's 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 hundreds of tests we could we could actually buy from the rest of the country if we would approve them. And instead, we were kind of hung up with massive, long regulatory delays on testing. And we solved that problem around vaccines. And pretty quickly, we're solving it in therapeutics. But uh, we've got to solve that testing problem. And then people could actually kind of c- c- could, could, could stay home and isolate and, and lower the, the absolute weight or number of people who are sick and put less burden on the hospitals. Because I do think that, I mean, look, um, Sixty um, percent of all healthcare workers are uh, are complaining about burnout. Uh, the The Bureau of Labor Statistics says that we will lose about a half a million nurses by the end of twenty two who just have chosen to retire. Suicide rates are up with doctors. We're putting an unsustainable burden on the healthcare system, and it's one of the things that people aren't talking about. Um, but it is a little bit. Uh, of, a, of a function of the fact that even though we've got the vaccines right, we still need to fast track therapeutics. We need to broaden the aperture of what we'll approve in terms of diagnostic tests. And we've got to lower the absolute burden on the healthcare system because it doesn't just affect those people who get sick with COVID, whether it's upper respiratory tract or cardiac or whatever, um, or just you know being, being depleted and, and vulnerable. Uh, it's crowding out Things like uh, cancer and cardiac care, and we've got a. I don't think um, we're going to win on on uh, completely on vaccinations. So we have to make pro- more progress on therapeutics, the things that you take if you get sick, and broad access to low cost testing. I mean, the notion that I don't know what you thought of the Biden administration saying, well, insurance companies should cover tests, and we'll come up with regulations sometime in January. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, and, and now we're in a situation where everybody, many people can't get tests and where they can, the prices are going up. John, you know, there's a lot, a lot in there. Um, one of the little things that happened uh, at New Year's is, uh, you know, the No Surprises Act went into effect. So I know you like a good surprise, John, but a surprise medical bill is rarely. Well, so now, so you're not going to even follow up on uh, all that Omicron and national policy. Fine. Fine. Yeah, no, the No Surprises Act. Um, is actually a really important. Yeah. It's one of the few things that every uh, both parties agree on. I don't think there's a political leader that's in favor of surprise medical billing. And what's striking is how frequently people who are not covered or undercovered get these massive surprise bills. Everybody gets some, 
but it is a particularly dangerous practice that doctors, ancillary providers and hospitals do to bill kind of whatever they want to charge for the non-negotiated prices that a hospital or doctor gets to charge, often for a, a family or a patient that's in the middle of a crisis. And finally, the 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 for 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 the for the pop, for the population, Congress passed a bill that said, you know, you can't you got to charge your in-network negotiated price for the vast majority of like emergency services, air ambulances, um, at the the same kind of with, with the same kind of co-pays and co-insurance, uh, so that it, it, at least it's possible that you'll be uh, uh, charged a fair price. But um, so I, I think this is progress. It sounded like you were you were about to say something snarky about it. <clears throat> no, John. You know, I could. I'm a well insured guy. I could go to my mailbox and I might have like a dozen pieces of mail. I get a couple pieces of junk mail and I go surprise, surprise, surprise. I can have one surprise bill after the other. You know, surprise medical bill is when the reason hey, you're David, surprised. Have you ever? Have you ever? I'll lead the witness here. Have you ever gotten a surprise medical bill like in the last six months? <laughs> Every day. Every day, John, I get I seem to get a surprise bill all the time. And you know what happens is I have good insurance and I go to a, a hospital that uh, is in network, but then they, I may be treated by somebody who's not in network at the hospital, like in the case of an emergency department. How would how would you how would you know? I mean, you know, you're sitting there, you know, uh, after your you, you know UFC fight and you've been knocked out, and you're you wake up and they're doing some work on you. Like, how do you even know? Yeah. Well, you don't. The thing is, of course, we don't have to get into the reasons I've been to the emergency room, John, but they usually do have to do with something stupid uh, that I might not be in a position to say, are you going to surprise me with a bill after this? But what happens, John, is that you know you could generally expect a lot of these do happen in the emergency department. Uh, ambulance is another area, which is actually not covered, uh, ground ambulance. But you'll get a bill that's really super high and they'll go after you. Uh, they'll like go after how, you how, how high right. could that ambulance bill be? So I had an ambulance ride of a mile and a half, and it was from my home in Brookline to Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and it was $4,000. And you couldn't walk because you were hit by a car. I couldn't walk because I was hit by a car. That's right. And if I'd been in Boston a mile or two away, first of all, the car might have been going faster, and I would have been whacked, and I just would have needed uh, you know, a, a hearse. But uh, that would have been $500 because that's how Boston does it. But they- yeah, they charge what they want, and the, and hearse, the hearses are cheaper, or the, or the, or the well, you get the hearse eventually, but that's usually a one-time, one-way type ride. But John, the, with these surprise bills, what happens is they stick it to the patient to have to deal with it. And now the the main the main part of this No Surprises Act is that they force the provider, that is the doctor, the hospital, to work it out with the insurance company. You know, that's kind of the essence of it, and that's what should happen because there's no way a patient could handle it. Now you better watch out. Because consumers hear this, hear this now. This is not this. This is a this is a con- consumer advice. Explain it, David. Yeah. Okay. So one of the so John, one of the things that you can do is the you know, the provider doesn't like it. Maybe that they can't send this this bill because they they don't look at it as a surprise bill. Like I need to be paid for my services, and so they can ask a patient to waive their rights. And you can imagine how that's going to be framed. They're not going to say waive your right to what's what's correct for you. They're going to say. You know, the hospital, the insurance companies don't pay what I need, et cetera, et cetera. And so you just need to sign here so you can be treated. You know, so watch out. You do not have to sign that. I, I think it's really a critical thing. I mean, again, there's this, there is a, this is a really bad practice that has become common. And, you know, one of the fastest reasons, one of the biggest reasons for people declaring bankruptcy is healthcare bills. And 
some of those healthcare bills are these surprise bills that people get, which are insanely priced, and the particularly poor or undercovered people can't afford to pay. And you've got to watch. You, you can't let your let your uh, let yourself uh, uh, you know put yourself in a situation where you've waived those rights. So read all of those incredibly boring forms carefully when you're signing yourself in and going through your privacy and your coverage. When you if if you're in the unfortunate but but probably. Uh, common experience that you're experiencing some hospital and you, you make sure you don't wave those rights away. Um, so David, what about speaking of high prices? Uh, I thought we were, I thought we were making great progress with your buddy Trump's MFN drug pricing, where the, the premise was that the U S was not going to cover or pay for drugs at any price higher than a, another country would pay. So if, you know, the, a, a bill costs a penny in Egypt. It shouldn't cost more than a penny here. Um, that did not turn out to yeah. be the case. In fact, CMS blew it up in this. You know, the, what, what's going on there? John, this is an interesting one. You know, the, the former president was uh, scheduled to hold a press conference this week, and everybody assumed it was going to be about the, uh, you know, the events on January 6th at the Capitol. But I think he actually wanted to talk about drug pricing. And so the idea was that, you know, hey, we can't. Uh, figure out how to pay less for drugs. So let's just let New Zealand, it's not Egypt, but some of the more, you know, the richer countries do our dirty work and whatever they pay. I mean, we, we, got, we got to be a little bit more provocative, David. Egypt, in some cases, is literally drugs in Egypt cost like five to 10 cents on the dollar relative to what the same pharma company charges the American government and the American citizens. But yes, yeah, so fine. I'll give you New Zealand as long as I get to keep New Zealand pricing and I don't have to pay New York prices. What happened here? Well, so John, what happened was that this this should make you concerned, okay? Because they decided, CMS decided to get rid of it, probably because they want to get rid of all Trump era things. But get this, the drug companies are happy about it and the providers are happy hmm. about it. And that probably means oh, no. not good for the consumers. If something both the hospitals like and the drug companies like is probably not good for the consumer. Tease that one out for me, John. Why, why do the drug companies and the hospitals like the same thing? Because they both make more money, David. Would that have something to do with it? So the drug companies is kind of obvious, right? So if you say, I have to pay a nickel rather than a dollar, uh, the drug companies don't like that. But in a lot of cases, the hospitals or the, or the doctor's office, they may make a percentage markup uh, on that product. And so, yeah, they may say, well, I don't like it, but sure, I'd rather take 4% of $1,000 than, or, you know, $100,000 than 4% of a nickel. So yeah, so consumers should be suspicious, John. And I'm glad that you're alerting the public and doing your usual public service. Uh, well, I was just there. surprised that they backed, that the, the Biden government backed off of it. Any sense as to why they did that? I just think it was meant to be a demonstration project. And it's probably, if you're going to pick their battles, it's going to be somewhere else. It's interesting if you look at what happened with Medicare, you know, the Part B premium went up a lot for this year. That's another thing that the uh, senior citizens, uh, anybody on Medicare will will face. The two reasons for that. One is that 2021's increase was held down artificially because of the pandemic, didn't want to push it up there. But also the drug whose name I can't pronounce to your satisfaction, John, from Biogen. Adulam. Adulam is the uh, is a drug that uh, they thought that people would take so much for dementia and be so expensive that it would actually be a huge reason for the Part B premium going up. Yeah, this is this is this is the extremely expensive Biogen anti-Alzheimer's drug that, based on the clinical data that was presented, 
barely got approved because it's unclear that it has much of an impact on Alzheimer's at all. And the one thing, one impact it will have is it'll 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 kick your pocketbook at the federal level because you know Medicare is the is the is the most likely payer here, and it's extremely expensive. Walk me through why we're not making progress on pharma pricing. This is kind of crazy. You know, I think we are making a little bit of progress. So one of the things that happens is pharma will say, okay, I need higher revenue. So I'll just raise the prices on drugs that are out there. And we've seen this happen, you know, multiple times a year. Every year. Yeah. But more than once a year, John. Um, and you'll see like a 9.9% increase. You know, it's the same reason that the gas station is, you know, 289.9. They don't want to say, you know, how much it really is, but they just push it up. But what's happened actually, John, is there's a number of drugs where the price went up about 4.9%. Uh, Stat had a, uh, an article about this, but they're actually just pushing them up now sort of once a year and they're trying to avoid scrutiny for these big price increases. So that's one part of it. And frankly, John, there's inflation in Biden's America. And so there's a lot of things that are going up at 5% a year. So that doesn't bother me too much. The next focus is on the launch prices, right? Because it's, okay, I can't get a big increase, so I better charge a lot when I put it out there. That's what Biogen was doing. Now, they've actually been forced to take that one down. So I think if you look at those two things, the increase of prices of uh, drugs on, that are already on the market and the launch prices, there's a little bit of a glimmer of hope on both. I think you are getting way too optimistic. I think we've lost again to the pharma lobbyists. Um, I, I, I think we got to keep pounding on this one. We are not; th- these were modest changes that should have happened. Um, and it, again, we're we're not really restraining at, at the point at which I choose not to overcharge you for the first part of the year, but I overcharge you even more for the, the second part. I just, I think it's uh, you know, it's the economic equivalent of kind of a battered woman. I mean, I just think that there's a we're, we're John. It just offends. It just offends assume. you. It, 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 it's well, it's it should because the federal government as as voters. And we pay for a lot of the research, then we cover these drugs, and then we pay the highest prices in the world. It makes no sense. And one out of four people on chronically on, on chronic with who are chronically ill on a chronic meds can't afford their meds. I mean, it's just it's insane. But David, what else is happening with Medicare this year? There are some other changes in twenty two. Well, there that is. We should- cover because Medicare is one of the biggest payers in the world. Yeah. 22 is all about you. I'll mention one more drug related one, which is that, you know, you're always whining about the cost of insulin. You think it's just so someone's a diabetic, they should be able to get their insulin. Okay. Yeah. Blah, blah, yes. blah. So, <laughs> so they've now actually do have a, a specifically addressing the cost of insulin uh, for people on, on Medicare. So that that's actually been addressed in like a kind of a piecemeal fashion, but there's also- and, uh, oh, really? about- and how effective do you think that's going to be? Well, I think it's one of those where the drug industry said, yeah, we don't look very good on that one. So we'll, we'll give up on that one and we'll, we'll, we'll fight to protect the others. I'm not sure it's going to be that effective, but if you need insulin, it's probably helpful. There's one other, John, and maybe, maybe you have some others up your sleeve because I know you're deep in the wonkery, but um, mental health we've talked about is a big issue and not just for teenagers, although that is a big factor, but for people on Medicare as well. And there will be coverage uh, this year, permanent coverage starting for mental health for uh, telemedicine. So I think that is a, a good um, improvement. and That's a major step yeah. in the right direction. Again, I, 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 I think the most dangerous thing for Medicare over time is we're still not dealing with the affordability issues. I mean, we've got 10,000 people becoming Medicare eligible every day. Every, every, every day. We've got those are the folks who are over 65 or you know, aging into Medicare. We've got increasing prices, a stressed healthcare system where doctors and nurses are both um, threatening to quit. Uh, I think that that something like 
two-thirds of all nurses have thought about quitting in the past year just based on how hard they're working and frankly how unrewarding the work is because they see a lot of unvaccinated people getting extremely ill and we're losing a lot of people. We lost a generation of older people you know, nearly a million people have died. I mean, it's a, it's a heavily, a heavily tilted towards the elderly, but um, there are uh, the pediatric wards are overwhelmed right now. I can't imagine how stressful that is. So I, I think we've got to continue to innovate around ways that we can extend the labor we've got. And we got to respect uh, a return to where I started uh, the, the human toll and frankly, the human needs of just the battlefield fatigue of all of our great healthcare frontline providers. You know, we, we were clapping for them at the beginning part of the uh, pandemic um, and playing music and, 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 and they, they are the healthcare heroes. Um, I think it's, it's, it's even more important right now that we not just um, celebrate their, um, their courage and their tenacity in the face of this, these rolling waves of virus, but we come up with ways to make their jobs easier because what, what, what we're now pushing, putting through at a human cost is unsustainable. And that's going to be even more dangerous as America gets grayer and older with all of the attendant healthcare needs. Well, John, before we let all the fizz out of the uh, New Year's Eve champagne, I want to say I hope 2022 is going to be good for you. And I'm looking forward to podcasting all year long with you, getting cresting this wave and getting on to bigger and better things. So with that in mind, that's it for another episode of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll. I'm back at you, David. Let's have another great year. And I hope that this year will be even better from a healthcare perspective, but there'll still be plenty to talk about and argue about. Uh, if you like what you've heard and would like to hear more, please subscribe. And thanks for listening to Care Talk.